Welcome to Capital Link's company presentation series. Good day to everybody. I am Nikolas Bornovius, president of Capital Link, and I would like to welcome you to Capital Link's corporate presentation series 2024. In this series, company management highlights the company's current operations, business development, growth prospects, and sector outlook. We have with us today the senior management of uh, Eurodry, Eurodry, uh, Mr. Uh, Aristides Peters, Chairman and CEO, and Mr. Tassos Aslidis, Treasurer and CFO. Uh, Eurodry, as you can see, uh, is listed uh, on NASDAQ under the symbol eDry. Uh, it's a dry bulk company and has uh, uh, currently uh, a fleet of 13 vessels, dry bulk vessels. Uh, in terms of logistics, uh, I would like to remind everybody that we have a presentation followed by a Q&A. Uh, webinar participants can submit their questions anytime during the presentation, and um, Aristides and Tassos will reply to them after uh, their presentation is over. Uh, in terms of uh, the disclaimer, to remind you that uh, this presentation today is strictly for informational and educational purposes and should not be relied upon. The webinar does not constitute uh, uh, an offer to buy or sell securities or investment advice or advice of any kind. And Tassel very correctly put also the forward-looking statement uh, disclaimer. And of course, Capital Link bears no responsibility for the content. Now let's begin, and I will turn the floor over to Aristides and Tassos. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, thank you for organizing uh, a, another interesting uh, presentation uh, for us. Uh, we hope that we will be able to give a, a, a clear picture of the company to the participants. Tassos will go over a, a quick presentation and then uh, we will be able to answer uh, any questions that uh, we will receive. So please come in with any questions you have. Uh, send them to to here, and we will uh, try to reply. Tasso, go ahead. Thank you, Aristides. Uh, thank you, Nicolas. Good morning to everybody from me as well. As Aristides mentioned, I'll take the next uh, 15 minutes or so to give you an overview both of our segment and of Eurodry, our company. And uh, let's start by saying that uh, Eurodry is a rather new company. It has been spun off from Eurosys almost six years ago, back in May 2018, to, to, to contain the dry bulk uh, interest of Eurosys at the time and provide a pure investment alternative to investors and our shareholders. We are focusing in providing worldwide ocean going transportation services for dry bulk commodities, which are the major bulks, iron ore, whole grains and minor bulks, mainly steel products, but quite a number of additional commodities. Uh, one thing that would characterize uh, Eurodry is that we focus in the middle of the size range of tribal carriers. We have vessels from about 1558, to be exact, 1,000 deadweight tons to 85,000 deadweight tons, because we believe that this size range, this segment of the fleet, presents the most flexible employment opportunities. We currently own 13 vessels having an average age of 13 and a half years and a carrying capacity of a little more than 900,000 deadweight tons. 
Although Eurodry is a young company, our our former parent, Eurosys, <clears throat> was formed almost 20 years ago by Aristides, but the, the family of whom has a very long presence in shipping. The roots of the, of the family date back to the 19th century, about or more than 150 years ago. Eurosys, our former parent, accessed the capital markets in 2005 and has been listed on NASDAQ since 2007. We have been listed on NASDAQ since inception in 2018. All the management of Eurodry, myself, Aristides, our chief administrative officer, Simos, all have long experience in shipping, but also our board members have all leading positions in their respective industries and long time investment experience in shipping. We manage our ships through an affiliate through two affiliate management companies, Eurobank and Eurobank Far East, founded in 95 and 2015 respectively, both established and well-respected within the industry, mainly for their efficient and safe operating track record. Our group, you can say it's a vertically integrated group through Eurobank and Eurobank Far East, we provide for all services a modern shipping company needs. Shipping, as you know, is a very volatile industry, very cyclical. There is no better way to start reviewing our segment than by trying to figure out the, our position in the shipping cycle. I have a slide here that uh, I think captures where we are right now. This slide has a couple of pieces of information. Uh, first, in the blue line, it shows the evolution of the charter, charter rates, one-year charter rates, for a typical dry bulk vessel, the Panamax. And as you can see, indeed, this, our sector is very cyclical. We had some extraordinary peaks about 15 years ago. And since we have been, again, following cycles in the market, most recently, we had a significant rebound of the market coinciding with the pandemic years. Uh, we can get into the reasons, but primarily because of the tightness of the supply during that period, we had a significant increase in, uh, in, the drive, in, in the charter rates that lasted about two years. In 2023, the market corrected and has returned around its historical median line. It has rebounded, as we will see also a little later, during the fourth quarter of last year and, uh, and in January this year as well. The other piece of information that this slide shows is the red line. And the red line shows the amount of vessels that are currently, that are under construction at, the, at different points of time. And it shows that number as a ratio to the existing fleet. What I think is noteworthy is for the last four years, since 2020, that ratio has been the lowest over the last 20 years. So it has reached about 8% back in 20, at the end of 2020 and has stayed between 8 and 9% uh, for the last four years. This level of order book is well below the order book required to replace the fleet. So we think that there is a supply squeeze being developed because of the underordering over the last four years. To complete our view about the market cycle, 
I have another slide here that shows the, how prices have fluctuated, uh, including new building prices, and, the, and they have fluctuated very similar with the rates. They recovered during the pandemic years, and right now they stand a little bit, a little bit above the historical median, the second-hand prices, potentially creating investment opportunities if uh, the supply squeeze, as we discussed, and the tightness of the market develops. Let's talk a little more about supply, and because I, I cannot underline, I believe, enough how important that point is. Uh, this shows the expected fleet growth over the, over the, last, uh, over the next two years in the little red circle that I have here on the top uh, half of, 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 the, of the slide. And of course, also shows the historical development of the dry bulk fleet. But in 2024 and 2025, based on data from Clarkson, we expect to have two very low fleet growth years. <clears throat> At the same time, the dry bulk fleet profile age-wise is uh, an interesting one. It has quite a concentration of vessels in the middle range of ages. There is about, in the bottom left part of the slide, you can see that there is about 40% of the fleet concentrated around uh, in the group 10 to, to 14 years of age. But there is also 8% of vessels in excess of 20 years old. And those vessels are potential candidates for removal uh, from the fleet either because of their aging or because of difficulty of trading due to the increased uh, environmental regulations. <clears throat> so the supply picture is very supportive of, uh, uh, for the dry bulk market over the next couple of years. Switching quickly to the demand side, demand, which is the other half of the equation, demand, for, demand growth for dry bulk vessels is primarily a function of increases in dry bulk trade, and that in turn is linked to economic activity worldwide, but especially for dry bulk in China, because China provides the majority of the trade growth for the last 10, 15 years. This chart that I have in the middle of the slide, at least visually, sort of proves or provides a sense of the correlation of uh, dry bulk trade, uh, of dry bulk trade's connection to the world economic growth. But not only that, in addition to that, the dry bulk trade growth is affected by a number of other factors. Uh, an important one is changes or shifts in the use of dry bulk commodities. Right now, there is, we're trying to shift away from fossil fuels like steam coal, uh, and that has not been reflected yet, but is expected to be reflected in the trade growth figures over the next uh, several years. Also, demand is affected by the, by the routes over which the trade moves. And uh, definitely, the recent geopolitical developments, both in the war between Ukraine and Russia and the recent hostilities uh, around the Red Sea, and Gulf of Eden have affected the typical routes uh, of, of dry bulk trade and in general led to higher demand uh, for vessels. Additional reasons that would affect uh, demand for ships are canal and port restrictions. We had congestions uh, in the Panama Canal 
recently, and as I mentioned, issues with the Suez Canal. And yet, even more, we have we could have speed vessel speed related factors, um, the effort to decarbonize and reduce emissions. An easy way to achieve that is to by is by reducing the speed at which the vessels go, and reducing the speed essentially reduces the available supply of vessels. So there is quite a number of factors that um, uh, could lead to demand development and demand growth. Summarizing all these two, uh, factors together, um, we can see we, and we can say that the dry bulk market, after having a pretty soft 2023 in the fourth quarter of last year, experienced significant gains <clears throat> with uh, Panamax, which is the uh, index that we mostly track, uh, exceeding $17,000 per day in December <clears throat> and providing potentially a basis for um, uh, a solid market in 2024. Uh, and in 2024, that solid market will be achieved if supply tightens, as we started discussing a couple of slides ago, um, and if demand demonstrates um, uh, some resilience in, uh, in, in growth. And as we have seen in the past, the supply-demand balance creates the, uh, the changes and increases in, uh, in, in the dry bulk rates. <clears throat> Reiterating the main theme of our investment thesis is that supply is limited. New orders have been sparse compared to the past, mainly because of the uncertainty and the lack of clarity of, of the fuel of the future, and thus have created a situation that could provide the foundation uh, for a squeeze over the next uh, two to three years. On the demand side, I mentioned, and I will mention it again, the key area to watch is China and the overall GDP growth in developed economies. <clears throat> and of course, the uh, black swan events, if you want, uh, squeezes around the uh, Panama Canal, disruptions and the like. So that paints the picture of the segment. And let me now switch and talk a little bit about Eurodrive. <clears throat> As I mentioned in the very beginning, we have a fleet of 13 vessels with an average age of a little more than 13 years. We tend to think of our fleet in two clusters, what we call modern new building cluster, which comprises of eight vessels, all built in the last 10 years. Three of those were built actually by us. And then three more were sisters of one ship that we ourselves built. We're built in the same yard about the same, about the same time. All of these vessels, we call them modern. They are eco vessels. They have lower, they have been designed with lower fuel consumption than the previous vintage of ships. Our other cluster is our Panamax uh, fleet that consists of five vessels, about 20 years old on average, Japanese built, so high quality ships. They were, they, they have been the work forces of the, of, of the industry, uh, high, uh, have been uh, providing us historically with good earnings and they could be cows if the market recovers uh, modestly. Of our 13 ships, three were bought in the fourth quarter of 2023. Uh, those are the three Ultramaxes that were sisters of the vessel that we built ourselves that I mentioned. 
what is not worth about this acquisition is that two of those three vessels, we bought them in joint venture with outside investors. Christos and Maria, Christos K and Maria, are owned 61% by us and 39% by um, third-party investors. The vessels are fully consolidated in our financials, but are partly owned by, uh, by, by our partners. We believe this type of joint ventures can provide us with a new source for growth. We are able to grow a bit more by having partners in our new acquisitions. And that we consider beneficial to our shareholders because these partners invest at NAV without us needing to issue shares below that level and thus diluting our shareholders. <clears throat> this model could provide another way for us growing and we have established good relationships in uh, Northern European markets, uh, private markets, and, and we have potential to repeat similar transactions at opportune uh, times with uh, interesting if interesting opportunities appear themselves. I'll spend another minute on giving you a glimpse of how we employ our ships. You can see on this slide that our ships are mostly employed on short-term charters in the spot market. Even a couple of our ships that have longer-term charter arrangements, the rate of those arrangements is linked to a spot market index. So we have positioned our fleet to be exposed to the market with the idea um, to take advantage of uh, potential increases that we expect uh, of the market in the coming years. <clears throat> Let me also say a quick look about our financials for 2023. I will use the nine month figures that are public. Uh, for the first nine months of 2023, we had total net revenues of about 32 million. We did lose money in the first nine months because the market was um, lower. Uh, it averaged, we had an average time charter equivalent rate of about uh, $11,600 per vessel per day. That resulted us in, in losing about $1.17 per share. Adjusted EBITDA was about 8 million. And we used some of our funds during um, this first nine months to, to buy back, because we thought our stock traded at a significant discount, to buy back about 4% of the company, spending almost $1.8 million, million. Opposite to the first nine months of 2023, the fourth quarter has shaped better because the market recovered. And 2024 seems to be quite promising. The forward market for 2024, based on the Panamax index that we track, is around $14,500 per day, and that translates for our ships to about $15,000 per day on average. If, of course, this projection materializes, we should record a, a profitable year in 2024. <clears throat> a couple more points, uh, financial highlights from our balance sheet. We had, as of the end of last year, a debt of about $105 million against what we estimate vessel value of uh, 200 and uh, almost 40 million dollars so a relatively low leverage ratio of about 44 percent a good part of our loans are covered by the scrap value of our fleet and our cash flow break even looking 
forward, looking for the next uh, to the next 12 months, is a little more than $12,000 per day. If, as I mentioned in the previous slide, uh, the in, as the indices, the forward indices project, the market is in the in the mid-teens. We should uh, expect to have significant contributions to our bottom line. Let me close my remarks and open the floor for questions by highlighting why Eurodry is interesting. There are many reasons. I'll focus on the top three that I believe are the most important. One thing is that there is there are strong industry fundamentals. In the dry bulk market, there is a rare squeeze of supply developing, which it would be we should as investors take advantage of. Second, for Eurodry specifically, we're a small company. I balance it and cash position and that would allow us to take advantage of market opportunities. Thirdly and most importantly, I believe we are very attractively valued. We, we trade at 20 to $20 per share right now, which represents a more than 50% discount to our net asset value. Although our price has indeed increased by about 25% over the last 12 months. So for these three main reasons, I believe it's worth for investors to look at Eurodry and its potential. There are quite a host of other reasons. I will not repeat them. I have um, gone through them during the presentations, but I think we present uh, us and the sector an interesting investment alternative. With that, Aristides, should we open the floor for questions or should we take some questions? Yes, let's uh, let's take some questions. I can see already some questions here uh, on the Q&A section. So I'll start answering them as I see them. Uh, first question, at what level of charter rates do you intend to lock in longer term contracts if available? Uh, yes, our strategy is when markets are high to fix up to up to 50% of our employment. We always want to have some open exposure, except if we will have a very strong view that the market is going to correct, we might, we might go beyond the 50%. But uh, if the market goes up to, let's say, 15,000 uh, for a Panamax vessel, uh, which is a level which is highly profitable, we would take some uh, cover uh, going forward uh, for a few ships. Um, do you intend to use the joint venture investment model more? Uh, yes, uh, we like that way of growing the company. We know that Eurodry is still a relatively small company for public market purposes, not for any other purpose. I have to repeat that all the time. We are equally competitive with the much bigger companies. Our OPEX are similar to them. And uh, what we get in the market, the charter rates are similar to what the companies with 100 ships get. So, the, But for a publicly listed company, we are relatively small uh, and we want to grow the company further. The joint venture investment model, which we're doing, I think is going to help uh, a lot and we will continue working on that. Um, would you your share repurchase plan continue? Yes, uh, it will continue again because of the small size of the company, the, the low liquidity 
in the company, we are a little bit careful not to overdo it. And uh, we always have to balance uh, the amount of money that uh, we pay out for repurchase uh, with the growth opportunities. But uh, ha having said that, uh, I, I mentioned again that our family controls more than 50%, close to 55% of the company stock, and we are definitely not sellers. So the liquidity is a little bit low. It's a concern. But yes, it's it's so enticing to be buying our company when we're trading at below fifty percent of the uh, of the NAV. Uh, next question: Do you expect to acquire more vessels in twenty twenty four? The answer is yes. Uh, without uh, putting our balance sheet uh, into any stress, and uh, we are open in the market to perhaps do a couple more acquisitions within the year. Uh, next question. It's great that you're doing buybacks at the current large discount to NAV. Would you consider accelerating the buyback through a tender offer? No, we will not do a tender offer. We will continue buying stock uh, th through the buybacks. I discussed before that uh, the liquidity is relatively low in the company and we have to address that matter as well. What is your plan with the older ships? When do you plan on selling scrapping? Could those funds be used to accelerate the buybacks? Um, we think that there is a significant value in, in, in the older ships, I have to say. Uh, it's an option that uh, if what we think might happen happens, uh, these elder ships uh, can provide very significant cash flows for the company. So as long as the ships are maintained in a well, very good condition and the market is, is good enough, we, we will continue to, to utilize those ships. Um, they might be very helpful uh, in the future and help the company. Uh, would you discuss how activity in the Red Sea is affecting the demand and charter rates for Eurodrys fleet? Well, sure, the the, the Red Sea, the, the passing through the Panama, the, the Suez Canal, uh, is a business that absorbs about six percent. Used to absorb about six percent of the dry bulk trade. So six percent of the dry bulk trade went through the Red Sea up till recently. Now that has fallen by 30%, so it's just 4% going through the, through the Suez Canal. So it is having an effect, uh, but it's not huge, but it is having an effect. And I think that's why we are seeing the market uh, remaining relatively strong during this first quarter, uh, because uh, traditionally Q1 is a very slow quarter, uh, everything else being equal, this quarter rates are holding much better than what we anticipated before these events. And part of it has to do with the, with the Suez Canal uh, and the Red Sea issues. Um, another question, bulk carriers on the Great Lakes have a conveyor system and boom to unload their cargoes, hence the name self-unloaders. Do you see your company using that technology? I believe these ships can unload their cargoes at about 5,000 tons per hour. 
Yes, uh, this uh, system uh, is mainly on smaller vessels, the Great Lakes vessels are handy-sized vessels, and uh, this conveyor system helps and assists in the faster discharge of the cargo. For bigger vessels, uh, Ultramaxes and Cancermaxes, uh, most of the ports that, that we go have their own uh, discharging equipment, which is even faster than the 5,000 tons per hour that is mentioned here. So uh, it's not something that is used uh, in, in the larger ships and we don't anticipate of installing any such technology. Do you anticipating locking charter rates for longer terms if pricing improves? Uh, I think I answered that question. Yes, if we move at charter rates for Panamax vessels above 15,000 per day. What are some unique cargos your ships have carried in the last year versus the type of cargos you listed in your presentation? Uh, I don't uh, remember all the cargos that we have carried, uh, but it's uh, it's the usual cargos, uh, coal, uh, uh, grains, uh, uh, fertilizers. Uh, I, I really don't have any specific cargo in mind to, to mention here. Have you received any offers to sell the company? That's a good question. Uh, no, the truth is we have not received uh, any such offer uh, for selling the company. Uh, and the intention is really not to sell the company, but to continue growing the company. Um, dry bulk is not being diverted from Suez, containers and, ta and tankers only, as far as I know. I answered that again. I think there is a 30% reduction in what is passing uh, through Suez right now from dry bulk vessels. Uh, it, it, it's much bigger, uh, as you rightly say here, on containers and tankers. Um, next question. 2023 trade was supported by China. However, it's difficult to anticipate further upside to iron ore and coal imports into China. In that case, where will the trade growth come from in 2024? Well, uh, Clarkson predicts a, a slightly higher uh, trade growth within 2024. And uh, the de developing uh, Far East uh, is an area, the, the other countries surrounding China, where we expect to have significant growth. Uh, China is, don't count it uh, off yet. I mean, they are having the problems which we all know, but they are taking measures uh, to, to strengthen their economy. And usually they are successful. So I wouldn't uh, underestimate the potentiality of China also contributing. Um, new ships when buying second-hand bunker fuel or going with methanol, ammonia or other propulsion systems. We, we, we are not really aggressive uh, in uh, trying to guess what the future fuel will be. So we haven't been active in looking at new buildings with methanol or ammonia uh, or other propulsion systems, as you mentioned here in the question. Uh, we will wait to see which technology wins and invest accordingly. What we are doing, though, 
is that all the ships that we have been buying, and you saw the last three uh, Ultramaxes that we bought uh, two or three months ago, they are all uh, very efficient vessels. So we're buying existing technology, but the more efficient, modern existing technology. Um, do you have any plans in expanding, operating in Mexico uh, when you take delivery of your new vessels in 20... I think that was a question for Euros is not Eurodry. We're not taking any new building deliveries uh, right now. And I think that was a question for the container company. So I, I skip it. Uh, regarding the joint venture, it was mentioned that time charter rates are same for all vessels. Then why to get into JVs? Is it not better to own 100% of one vessel against, say, two vessels in JV? This will give full control and flexibility over the vessel. Well, we own 60% of the vessel, so we still have full control uh, over the vessels and how they are employed, and we continue to manage them themselves. And it is helping the company uh, be larger and look at more opportunities. It is also helping us uh, access the investors in Norway that have taken this 40% of the company. And it's quite a few Norwegian investors who are looking into, into Eurodry, getting more familiar with it, and can potentially decide to invest also in, uh, in common equity in the company. So uh, I, I think this is uh, a very good uh, way of uh, growing the company, uh, getting more investors involved, and I'm sure it will have positive results uh, as we go by. Um, do you have an intention to execute selling FFA to hedge or cover some open long positions? This is uh, something that we do. We use FFAs to hedge positions. Uh, we use FFAs to hedge positions as we do longer term time charters, whatever makes more sense uh, at the various points uh, the, in, in the market that we feel it would be a good idea to hedge further. Yes, we will continue doing that. What is your plan to address the liquidity in your stock? Uh, this is a very good question. Uh, we, we hope, and, and this is one of the reasons we have not been more aggressive on the buybacks that somebody asked before. Uh, we would like the liquidity to increase. It's through awareness uh, to, to the various investors, raising awareness through roadshows, through presentations as of today, uh, that we hope that uh, we will be able to, to raise the liquidity through the joint venture with the Norwegians. So we have these investors looking into the company. All these are ways we are trying to use in order to, uh, to, to address the liquidity issue, to have more investors looking into us. So wondering if you have any view on how long can last current situation in the Red Sea. Well, it's very difficult to make a forecast here for how long this will last. Uh, our base case is that it will not last too long. It will be, you know, within 2024, the issue will be resolved. Uh, now, when and how is, is a very difficult thing. And then it might not happen, as I'm saying. So uh, I don't know more than any of you guys do. Um, what what other trade routes can take the place of fewer trade in and out of China? 
the, the rising trade uh, in uh, the Far East with the, all the other uh, Far Eastern companies, Vietnam, uh, Philippines, Indonesia, all, all this is, is, is a significant uh, place of, of activity and rising activity. India as well, which is continuing to grow at a fast pace. Africa uh, is also uh, a place which is growing. So there are pockets where we can see uh, trade growing from. Is Eurodry going through Suez or diverting? We have not been asked to take by any of our charters to pass the Suez Canal uh, during the last month. Uh, and uh, we will see if there is such a requirement for many charter what we will do depending on the situation at the time. Are you planning to instruct your vessels to avoid its route via Red Sea? I answered that question just before. Uh, you may have addressed this, but please comment on capital allocation with respect to increasing the dividend debt reduction growth. Well, uh, let me say that uh, debt is a very low levels. We don't intend to eliminate debt. We think debt is a, an important thing to have on the balance sheet. Uh, it helps you have sufficient uh, funds to, to invest. Uh, it costs us uh, five, six, seven percent uh, the debt. We, we hope that we are making more than over a whole long period, right? Because shipping is very cyclical, but we hope that we are making a return on equity definitely in excess of 15% in the long run. So yes, we will keep having debt, but not much because we are always uh, wary of the fact that the market can go down. And as we managed as a company to weather the storms during the last decade and survive when it was very tough and many companies had to resort into excessive dilution of their shareholders, we want, we didn't need to do it because we were relatively prudent on our debt. So debt we want, but we keep it at levels that we feel very safe. Uh, the remaining funds, we have to balance how we use them between growing the company, between paying dividends and between uh, buying back shares. Right now, we think that buying back shares uh, and uh, growing gradually the company are the two ways to invest our extra liquidity. Um, final question that I see here is what determines your voyage expenses from quarter to quarter? If the voyage expenses are, are always fixed voyage expenses. Typical voyage expenses are the banker costs if you are on a voyage time charter. Uh, port costs, uh, these are the main two things that you have when, when you're on a voyage charter. In a time charter, you have always the standard costs that the company has, which is their manning costs, their maintenance costs, the insurance costs, uh, the, uh, the repair budget. Uh, so so th this is pretty standard. I think that I have run out of the list. One final question. Do you have any operations contracts in Canada? 
We have traded to Canada on, on vessels on time charter. I don't think we have a specific vessel in Canada today, but uh, we have traded uh, to, to mainly the west coast of Canada quite a few times with uh, our vessels. I think I've answered all the questions as best as I could and gave you a clear picture of, of, of our company. Uh, we are optimistic, as Tasso said, that uh, the very limited supply of dry bulk vessels uh, will help us have a very good market at some point in time when demand picks up. That really depends a lot on geopolitical considerations. Uh, but uh, with a limited supply, we hope that we will at some point see a very good market. And with that, I will turn the table back the, to, to Nicolas Bornozis for his closing remarks. Thanks again, Nicolas, uh, for the opportunity. Before Nikos takes over, let me say thanks as well to both Nikos and every, every participant who took the time to join us today. Well, my time to say thank you to our participants, uh, to Aristides and Tassos. And I have to say, great presentation. You got an avalanche of questions. Uh, yes. I mean, really, uh, indicative uh, of the interest in the sector and uh, in your company. So thank you very much. Uh, in closing, to remind everybody that this webinar will be available for replay for access upon demand on um, Capital Link's uh, website, capitallinkwebinars.com, and on Capital Link's YouTube channel. And with that, we can all disconnect. And again, thank you very, very much. Thank Thanks you. again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.